0: what's the Can I tell truth was doing this for you?
1: Well, guys, welcome to the second ever episode of the GMT show. Uh, we had a hiatus, which I do explain later on in the episode with our guest, Chris Jackson. I'm sure most of you guys know them. We have done well over 100 shows together back on the West Coast Press podcast, which we will still do periodically throughout the high school season when that does return in August. But this time, It's a championship edition. The Golden State Warriors win the 22 NBA Finals, and we go in-depth on everything. We go through all six games, the Finals, talk about it, talk about Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry's legacy, Steve Curry's legacy, talk about Draymond and his podcast, talk about everything. But I want to talk about how special this was to me personally before we get started with Chris. There's just something about it, sports in general, There's a reason I got into sports as a business. The reason we started West Coast Preps in general is because Chris and I both fell in love with sports. It's it's something that through hard times, you can always look forward to it. Um, It's just, this was truly special. I've been lucky enough to to attend many parades, whether it's Giants, Warriors. Uh, We ended up not going to this one, unfortunately. Um, But it just was an incre- incredibly special run to see Steph Curry break down like he did. Uh, I know Chris mentions it in the podcast, uh, how he cried for the first time watching this sport event since 2015. Uh, there was definitely some tears forming up and shedding uh, when Steph Curry won that. It just, you could see how special it meant to him. Uh, just meant a lot to watch that and you can call it stupid, call it silly, call it whatever, but so why you're a sports fan. Right, you called a called a fan for a reason and man, what a run. So without further ado, let's get this thing started with uh, Chris Jackson as our guest. To go get your westcoastpreps.com subscription today. For less than ten cents a day, you can read about all the future stars of this world, from baseball to basketball, to softball, to football, to all other sports that you enjoy. We have coverage of the superstars in that sport, whether they want to become doctors, whether they want to become an NFL superstar. We will cover their stories. Go get your subscription today and use free trial WCP7Days with all capital letters to get your subscription started today. Well, welcome, Chris Jackson, to the GNT show. Uh, We all know why you're here. Actually, there's multiple reasons why you're here, but we'll save the good stuff for later. But I got a stat for you before I let you even speak. There was a lot of shit talk about uh, Jackie Moon and Will Ferrell coming to the Warriors game. And after a five-game losing streak, since that day, they went 26-11. and Just another reason why the Warriors are champions is because of Jackie Moon.
0: All the Warriors haters, the Steph Curry haters, the Wiggins haters, the Draymond haters... As Draymond said infamously today at the parade, which I'm sure shirts will be made about this eventually when a team was when another team I should say, and beats the Warriors when Draymond's like 45. Shut up. Just shut up. I don't know how you could still think Steph isn't unbelievable, how he's an all-time great. What did he just do? What I mean, that, that one three he hit to put them up 22 just said it all. I mean, he's literally saying, Ring me up when this game is far from over. Sure, the score. Was lopsided, but you got to be pretty dang confident to be like, "Yeah, ring me up, ring me up." When it, there's still plenty of time in an NBA game to come back.
1: There was six minutes left in the third when he did that. Unbelievable. Anyway, Chris, how you feeling? How you feeling, Chris?
0: I um, what was that Thursday night? It was the first time I've cried watching a sporting event in since 2015.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good times, good times for sure.
0: I think, I think I cried more after this one. I don't know why. This one meant more. The first one was just, I don't know, it was just kind of like this thought of he never thought it would happen. It took a while to sink in. This one, I was surprised, but it was like, I just didn't think it would ever happen. It was, I, don't know, it was just, I just i saw Steph crying and that was it for me. I, I went down.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. There's one thing that I need to get out of the way, as I'm sure many people have seen the tweets that I had been putting out about my predictions. I do want to say it was all a jinx. And there's also a reason that the GMT show did not come out after game one. The first episode came out the day of game one. They lost, blew a fourth quarter lead. There's no chance I was doing another GMT show until the finals was over. I am a man of superstitions. I predicted the Warriors were going to win game one. Never did it again. Man of superstitions. So if anyone's questioning my loyalty and thinks I'm a Celtics fan, shut up. That's all I got to say.
0: I don't know if anyone was questioning your loyalty. I was just concerned for you. (laughs) Every single game, after game one, we didn't hear from Greg for what, like 36 hours? Noah and I kept texting. Where's Greg? How's he doing? You know, all this stuff. I'm the same way though with superstitions, especially I can never pick my team to win because the last time I got cocky was 2016 when they went up three to one in what happened. So I learned from that. Always picking against them the rest of my life. I don't I don't care if they have LeBron, James, Steph, and Clay and Draymond all the same. I really don't care. I'll still pick against
1: them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. But that leads us to our first topic. Let's run through the first the six games of the NBA finals. Game one, everything felt good. Everything seemed like it was going great. And then the fourth quarter happened. I don't know there was a weird feeling. I don't know if you had the same thing, a weird feeling going into that fourth quarter. I was like, I don't feel good. Even though they were up, what, 11, 12 going into that fourth quarter, it just did not feel good.
0: No, it didn't. I, we just kind of had that thought in all of our heads. Boston was going to hit shots, and I'm not sure what the defense was on Al Horford or what defense, I should say. They just let – Al Horford roam free, which she's not. Boban Marjanovic, no disrespected Boban, but he's not the shooter. Al Horford is. I'm not really sure what that was, and you're watching that, thinking, "Well, crap."
1: Yeah, uh, that one hurt. Um, I generally thought the series was over. I mean, if I'm being honest, I I thought they had to win Game One with the Celtics coming off Game Seven and. Going in and winning in Boston, but we'll get to that later. Sunday, game two, Warriors came out and dominated 107-88 victory. There was never really a doubt. There was a fourth question, doubt for a little bit. You know, were they going to give it up again? But third quarter Warriors was supreme in that one.
0: I don't think – I think that game you just kind of knew they were going to – they were going to hit the gas pedal until that final buzzer sounded. There there was no way they were going to go down 2-0 at home in the finals. They – that's the way they've always been since this dynasty started and yes I'm gonna call it a dynasty and shut up if you disagree We'll but get it, we'll get into that later It is a dynasty we'll get into that later yes but it was you just knew they were gonna come out on fire you knew Steph was gonna be pissed off Raymond even if you didn't play that great the first few games Wiggins with that fire in his eyes which I'm sure you'll talk about in a little bit it was you just knew game two was okay
1: yeah yeah for sure and then we go to game three. First game in Boston. This didn't feel like a must-win, but it was a concerning loss. They lost one sixteen to one hundred. This is the the Draymond Green podcast game. This is where I, I want to get into the Draymond Green podcast, where he was getting a bunch of shit for. I mean, no reason. I mean, the dude was recording twenty minute podcasts. It's like he sat down and watched an episode of The Office, and but instead he was sitting there recording his thoughts it's crazy to me that these people are like oh that's affecting the way he's playing he was playing awful his body language was terrible he was just flat out terrible but the podcast that stuff was i thought ridiculous
0: i think it's a lot of times fans are prisoners of the moment so they're gonna find something for why they see Draymond's recording for 20 minutes and they think hey he's recording for whatever amount of time but then he's doing all this time to repair and the editing, all this stuff, and fans aren't really going to be sensical, especially after a loss. What fan base have you ever seen is sensical after a big one or sensical after a loss? The Warriors fans might not be like that, but I don't think any fan base is. I, the dream of really didn't affect them, but when you're a prisoner of the moment as a fan, you're just thinking, gosh, just play well. I don't care about the podcast, just play well. I think that's the way everybody thought, but some are more vocal than others as sure we all saw the, the podcast didn't affect anything we saw the way he came out it's just Draymond needed to rev himself up He needed something to piss him off I guess hearing fans say the podcast sucked pissed him off or something I don't know that's this is the way he is once people piss him off that's when he goes crazy
1: yeah well then we move to game four and, and we'll get into Steph but we're going to continue with Draymond the dude got benched for four minutes in the fourth quarter and you know that's a make or break moment Draymond could have went off and could have lost him for the series. Been like, screw this, screw that. You know, you bench your your main guy, the heart and soul, of the Warriors for four minutes. But this is the Steph Curry game. This is maybe his best game ever. I mean, he, he's got a lot of great games, but this is probably the one because if they lose this game, I they don't win the finals.
0: No, they're, at that point they're dead in the water. They're down three to one, Boston's got at least one other game at home they've already shown like can one on the road how about the balls from steve kerr to ben Stramont? there yeah. a lot of times we'll say steve kerr isn't most aggressive with things i know there's that criticism out there ben Stramont and to his credit took it well he's, he's self-aware more self-aware than i think he gets credit for he knows when he's played bad and he's going to say when he, when he's sucked, he will straight up say, I sucked. He did that after game three. And I think after game four, he said the same exact thing at the presser. He is self aware He probably knew, I, I'm just not playing, well, why should I be in this game? When he got pulled, he was probably thinking, what the heck is this? But as he sits and reflects for a few minutes, probably goes into his head when things calm down, like, yeah, this was the right move. And they won. If they wouldn't have won that game – Maybe it's a different story at the end of the day, but the way they closed that game out, Draymond knew it
1: was the right thing to do. Yeah, and he made some great plays coming down the stretch when they kind of did offense for defense. They were putting pull in for offense and then bringing Draymond back in for defense. So he did make some decent plays at the end. But I want to talk about Steph Curry. 14 of 26, 7 of 14 from 3. He gets 10 rebounds in this game, 4 assists, 43 points. Where does this rank in Steph games for you?
0: In terms of the moment and everything, that's got to be his best game. I know he scored more in certain games, but the moment for this, what was on the line? I do this in the NBA Finals game against that Boston defense, which was long and athletic. That was the one defense he really thought, especially after game one, thinking, "Uh, this is the team that could really actually dethrone the Warriors. Memphis. Figure they'd make it a tough series, but I still don't think Memphis would win that series or anything. But the Boston was that one team you're thinking. Any team can contain the Warriors because there's no way you can shut them down, but contain them. That was it. And what he did, a 14 of 26. What did you say? 7 of 14 from three. Yep. All those numbers and the and impact. Everything. Yeah, and the impact of those shots and everything. Hitting threes. When he drove to the basket, somehow, I don't know how there was times he – Got past Foreford and just got that ball up. He did that in game six, too. Or I'm just like, what in the world is this? In terms of the moment, that's got to be his biggest game and best game of ever. Yeah. I
1: mean, the other ones that pop up is is obviously the OKC game for me. You know, that was kind of the cementing. Everyone knows that shot. Um, But this is is the one that cements everything, right? The reason you can say shut up is because – He went and did that. He was the best player by far. Then game five, Steph goes cold. You can always expect it. There's one game Steph has in the finals, as most shooters do, where it just doesn't work. That doesn't mean he didn't do anything well in this one. But Andrew Wiggins, I feel like this was kind of the like, wow, Andrew Wiggins is the second best player on this team
0: now. Wiggins stepped up big time every way. The way he defended Jason Tatum, now people are saying, having all these questions about Tatum, about – who he is which i still think he's a great player but wiggins is that good he was locked in the biggest criticism of wiggins coming to the warriors was well he's not that dude he's not aggressive well these playoffs he looked pretty damn aggressive to me the way he was attacking everybody he was not afraid to attack inside on boston's defense either even if robert williams swore them a few times wiggins was the one guy that was not afraid of him the forefront inside his defense, every way, I, Wiggins cemented himself too with this series and this season with the Warriors. It goes to show you, too, what a good culture can mean for a player. Draymond said that best, where well, will has the players a lot of the time, but what about the organization? Minnesota was not a good franchise or a good culture. I think they expected too much out
1: of him, especially with their style. And He just fits in with Golden State seamlessly. Yeah, I mean, just he goes 12 for 23 in this game but he goes 0 for 6 from 3. So that means he went 12 for 17 from inside Thart, which is just incredible. And then he goes 13 rebounds. He's a plus 12, 26 points in that game to lead the Warriors. Clay Thompson had 21 in that game, but Steph Curry was 16, ends up being a plus 15, 8 assists, even though he wasn't shooting well. He went 7 for 22 in this one. I think at this point, I felt pretty confident. I didn't think they would get it done in six, but I thought they would win the series.
0: Yeah, at that point, you're kind of thinking they've got it. They figured this Boston team out. And once they went up big in game six as well, you know, I always have that concern in the back of my head, like, please just don't let off the gas. Don't let this thing get a little too interesting at the end. i sure Boston made its comeback, but even then, when they got within, what was it, 10-12, I want to say, they're late in the third. They so, got within
1: eight at one point.
0: Yeah, it wasn't this overwhelming concern of like, okay, the Warriors are really going to choke this. It, at that point, they, they figured Boston out, and that was it. They figured out the rotation, the combinations that Kerr had it. Everything was set in stone at that point.
1: Yeah, but Boston goes – what, they start 12-2 run to start the game. Yes, they did. I mean, and the Warriors wow. are down 10, but then they go on the best run in the NBA Finals in the last 50 years.
0: That was it's one of the greatest runs of all time. It was a vintage Warriors run where it was, they shut everybody down and at the same time they weren't going to miss this freaking shot.
1: Yeah. And at that point, like we already talked about, Steph was six minutes left in the third to go up 22, hits the three, points to the ring, give me that ring. He was talking to Boston crowd. I love this version of Steph when he starts talking because it's unbeatable. But talk about the Warriors' defense. The last game six, they got 90 points. In game uh, five, you have 94 points. 97 in game four. Game three, 116. That was their one bad one. But game uh, what was that? Game two, 88 points. In all their wins, they go less than 100 points. And coming into this one, all everyone wanted to talk about was how great Boston's defense was. But the Warriors' defense was incredible. And that just goes back to Andrew Wiggins' Raymond played some great defense. Clay Thompson looked like Clay Thompson again on the defensive side. I know he struggled with his shot in a couple of games, but Gary Payton coming off the bench was incredible. This was vintage strength and numbers on the defensive side where everyone was contributing. And even Steph, he looked like a good defender.
0: That was one of the biggest criticisms of Steph his whole career was defense, right? I know that one video circulated from the finals in 2017 when he told Livingston to get onto his guy and they switched it up. I know that one went viral for a while, but Steph's defense keeps getting better. And I think a big reason why is he's so much stronger than he used to be, even 2015, 16. So he added, so he had a little bit of muscle in, but look at him now, I mean, he's for his size, he's about as jacked up as you can be for that position and that size. And he's so much tougher; he doesn't get pushed around. He played great defense. Clay was really getting the rhythm there down the stretch defensively. Draymond, we know what he is on defense. Wiggins's defense, all NBA type defense there. Looney staying on his feet consistently. The rebounding he gave. Gary Payton's defense was huge against Boston. He's another guy you can plug and play there for a few minutes at a time and you know you feel okay on the defensive end when Peyton's out there. And usually if he gets an open corner, three or two, he's going to hit those.
1: Yeah, the defense was incredible. But let's get into Stets' legacy. I I think it's time. I think while we're 15, 20 minutes into this podcast, I think it's time. The
0: the, the fact that we even have to have this conversation is not an indictment on this being a topic on the show. This is
1: an indictment on society. Well, we're, I don't even want to talk about necessarily his legacy cemented, but where does he rank? All right, l- let's look at top 20 players on a list here. You got Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kareem, Magic, Russell, Will Chamberlain, Tim Duncan, Larry Bird, Kobe, Hakeem, Shaq, KD, Jerry West, Moses, Steph, Oscar Robertson, Halvacek, Julius Erving, Bob Petit, Bob Petit, Dirk, Isaiah Thomas, Giannis, Carl Malone. That is a list courtesy of Connor McIntosh, uh, who was on the episode last time, and that was before the season. Where does he rank now? He's one of the all-time greats. That that's cemented. That's not even a question. But the question is, is he above Kobe? Is he behind Kobe? Above Shaq? Where where do you where does it? I mean. The debate of Magic versus Steph, I think, is more in question than ever before. It is. So, I mean, you look at the the finals MVP was the one thing that Steph didn't have. Should have won in 2015, but he got one now. And then the other question is, Steph has, oh, well, he got carried by KD. Magic had Kareem.
0: Every Batman need a Robin. Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen to win LeBron James as much as he helped those Cavs teams get to finals. He needed Kyrie Irving. As much as Cavs fans, I want to hear it. He needed Kevin Love, especially for some of his defense. He needed Dwayne Wade. He needed Chris Bosh. has them. all those guys. Tristan Thompson. Every superstar needs somebody. You're not going to win that alone. Right? Who did Larry Bird have on a Celtics team? Right? He had guys next to him.
1: Awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah. Shaq's always had guys next to him. That's – a superstar can do so much, but they can't carry the
1: whole thing. Yeah, it's just, it's never going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, you're right. There's every championship, there's always that second guy. And even this one, I, you know, Wiggins was his second guy. And I don't think anyone's going to come up here and say Wiggins is some generational all time great. I mean, no, no disrespect to him, but
0: I'm anointing Wiggins in the Hall of Fame today, like, yeah. or with Magic and Kareem on the same team.
1: Right. So, I mean, I think he's top ten. I think that's without a doubt. Where, where do you got him? That that was this list. Is he ahead of Kobe at nine?
0: I don't think he's ahead of Kobe. yet. I do put him ahead of Magic.
1: Well, he's got Magic's at four though, because Magic's ahead of Kobe
0: have Magic ahead of Kobe. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't.
1: Well, then this list is all messed up, according yeah. to you.
0: This list is all messed up, in my opinion. I, th- I think the easiest way to do this is go through each guy. And MJ, LeBron, obviously, better than Steph. Okay. Kareem, I would have ahead. Kobe, I would have ahead. Ooh, Shaq and Larry Bird might be oh these are tough ones what about you got bill russell and wilt though and there's a tim duncan argument too and there's a tim duncan i could put steph behind how but then it's like i'm dropping magic behind some of these guys too at the same time that's the problem i I, ooh, ooh, this is a good question so LeBron's better. MJ, that's a note where I still have MJ at the top. But MJ,
1: LeBron, who was next? Who was next? Next on this list goes Kareem, Magic, Russell, Wilt. Kareem, Magic, Russell, Wilt. I don't think Magic's top five all-time.
0: Who isn't top five all-time? Magic. I don't think he is either, to be honest. With you. I would put Steph ahead of Magic and maybe even behind Russell and Wilt.
1: Well, so, I mean, this goes into before, way before we were even born. Who's better, Larry Bird or Magic Johnson? Ooh, ooh. It, it, it's, it's a tough, tough question.
0: That is. The thing I liked about, I mean, Magic did not have a jumper beyond, what, 16, 17 feet. At his passing and his defense
1: and that size. He, I mean, I, he I was the point four before there was point four. So he's a six eleven point guard. I'm like, I might be going with Bird
0: over Magic. You really disrespecting Magic here. I love Magic, but there's something about Bird. I don't think Larry Bird should have been as good as he was. He was just the, the way he could shoot the. I think Larry Bird maximized everything in his arsenal. I, I've, I mean, he would legitimately tell guys what his move was going to be before he did it. Then he would still do it, just rub it in their face. But Bird and Magic, though, at the same, they're probably ne- they got to be right next to each other in the rankings because of their impacts, what they did in that generation. So I asked that question because I, I, you I, would put put Steph, I
1: would put Steph ahead of both of them. I would actually put Steph, put Steph. Both. Okay. Steph ahead of both. All right. So it sounds like, and then Tim Duncan, that, that's the next one. Steph and Tim Duncan are neck and neck. They're, they're so similar in the way they act.
0: It's, oh, exactly. Such humble superstars, never say a bad word. Steph's impact on the game, though, is so profound. I think that has to go into the equation. We didn't change basketball because of Tim Duncan. I guarantee a lot of kids wanted to be Tim Duncan growing up, but you don't go everywhere now and see kids throwing up free throw line jumpers. You see everybody throwing up 40 footers when in reality, they have no business or right to do that because they haven't even mastered the art of a layup. I, I think Steph's impact is that big. I really do. He's Besides... LeBron and Kobe
1: in my lifetime, I think Steph is the best player in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's for sure. Um, I I'm not as high on Kobe as you are. I mean, you look at his numbers. He, it's not Steph's resume. Only thing missing is one less championship. That's the only that's the only difference at this point. And Steph, we'll talk about that later with with the run that the young core that they have could win one more or two more. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that Kobe is by far ahead of.
0: No, I don't think Kobe is by far ahead of Steph, but it's close. Steph even makes one more run on him. There's a very genuine argument that
1: you could put him ahead of Kobe. I'm going to put Steph at nine. With Magic and Bird ahead of him still. But I think that's because in five years when Steph retires, I think it's a clear cut. Steph is better. But in year 13 of his career, I get that. I'm going to leave Steph on. I think that I think that's nine. He jumps over KD without a doubt. He jumps over Shaq. I think he jumps over Hakeem. I think he jumps Kobe with this one. So it sounds like you have him at 10. Is he over Hakeem? He's over king. Yeah. Well, you have him above Magic and Bird as well. But you have him somewhere that like 8 to 10 range. I think with mine,
0: it would be steps at 8, I would want to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a debate that we'll be having for years and years and years. And we have plenty more times to uh, to figure out this debate. But I do want to talk about this one stat. The Warriors' offensive rating this Finals. When Steph was on the floor, it was one fifteen point eight. When Steph was off the floor, it was eighty eight point six.
0: That that's, that sounds about right. That
1: right, does. but the disparity between those two is just insane.
0: Even when Steph wasn't hitting shots in Game Five, I still just felt better with him out there.
1: It's the gravity. It, it, it's the everyone speed. talks about Steph's gravity, but yeah. it's true.
0: It's legitimately one hundred percent true because if Steph's out there, you got to account for him legitimately shooting the ball once he crosses half court. And
1: honestly a 50-50 chance it goes in. Yeah. I mean, I think he shot 47%, 45% from three in this final. So, I mean, 50-50 basically. Just insane. And then I I forgot to say this stat. After two games in the NBA finals, according to ESPN's bullshit power index, uh, the Celtics had an 88% chance to win. So... The greatest underdog story in the history of the NBA, I think, is what we're trying to say. Um,
0: this is why we can't give Darryl Morey so much credit, because analytics got him what? Seriously.
1: What? No, you're right.
0: Whenever they anointed that banner and he tweeted that stuff, took the Warriors seven games. I'm, I'm laughing because it's A- – Analytics are good to an extent, but at the same time, you can't – you got to measure the dog. you got to measure all this stuff. We can – it's like in baseball, we can go about this launch angle crap and everything else so much, but is somebody actually freaking consistent? Can somebody have speed? Do they have an arm in the outfield? Do they have a good glove? All these other things. It's not just about, oh, my God, wow, in this one-minute situation, staff averages one more point per game or something. No, the analytics can only go so
1: far. It, yeah. it, it can help things look good on paper, but – yeah, I mean, you can always take an argument and, and change it your way. That's called a – what do they call it? They call that journalism, right, Chris? That's what you do every day? Oh, I always do. I always do it. That's, that's that's what I've always done with, with all of our kids. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about this dynasty. Let, let's talk about where it ranks. I, I got this one graphic for you. Teams with four-plus titles in eight seasons. Golden State Warriors in the 2010s and 2020s. Chicago Bulls in the 90s. The Lakers in the 80s, the Celtics in the 1950s and 1960s, and then the Lakers in the 40s and 50s. That's the only teams to ever do that.
0: And, what, so, and how would you rank each of these ones? What's that? How would you rank each of these dynasties? This is where it gets interesting. Yeah, this is
1: – the and then, you know, you have the Spurs. Obviously, it was a much longer, different sort of dynasty.
0: They never went back-to-back either. That's the crazy part.
1: Yeah, it was very spread out. I don't remember it. 99, 2003, 2007, 14. What was the other one? What am I missing? Twenty? No, 11 was the Mavericks. Was it 2010?
0: No, the Lakers won that over the Celtics. You're right.
1: So really? was it?
0: Wait, they did go. They had 05 and 06. So they did go back to back. Oh, no, they went 05, 06. No, 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 because of this page. That's when the season started. So was, here's all their NBA titles. Yeah, never back-to-back.
1: 99-03-05-07-2014. Got you. I mean, so I'd throw that one as a dynasty as well. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it, it doesn't fit this narrative of four and eight years, but where do the Warriors rank? This team has never lost a game that Steph, Draymond, and Clay have played every game. They've never lost. This trio
0: that's remarkable. Which goes to show you it the Warriors, you could say they've had breaks on their side with opposing injuries, but doesn't every team go into a title have a break or two? The stars legitimately have to align and every time all of their warrior stars are in there. Usually things align and they win a title, like right? That that trio right there, and you now you add a weekends to this force of guys that it's hard to see anybody beating them right now. Well, We'll see what moves get made with trades, free agency, whatever, but they, they've they shown they
1: can't be beat when they're healthy. Yeah. I think this is it, – it's hard to put the Celtics dynasty, right, because they went eight between the 50s and 60s. Yeah. But it's just such a different NBA, right? It's hard to say, oh, well, you know, the Celtics, what's, they're playing plumbers, right? That's what everyone says and whatnot. That's the way the game was. In my They had to make the best out of the situation. Everything's going
0: to evolve. Someday they'll probably look at our brand of sports and think it wasn't that good. Right. But we'll be trashing on Andrew Bilgett or somebody. I, I don't know, but that's the way it's going
1: to go. Yeah, I, I think this is top three dynasty. I'm going to throw out the 40s and 50s Lakers. They're just too old for me. It's too long ago. I... I don't even think my grandpa was born yet when they were playing. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm going to throw that one out. But I'd say they're better than the Lakers in the eighties. They won four in the eighties. They're not better than the Bulls. I think that's the best dynasty of all time. They essentially win six in a row when Jordan was playing a full season. Yeah. I'm going to put them behind the Celtics eight. I think that's fair. Bill Russell was insane and incredible, and they're behind the Bulls. I think it's – and they're ahead of the Spurs, even though they only have four. The The run six finals, the two-year break where everyone was injured. What, do you, what are your thoughts?
0: Bulls are one. <clears throat> the Celtics are two just because of that dominance and the Warriors are right there at three. That's that's how I put it. Because the Bulls, you can make that argument of well, MJ left. Everything that happens with his family, the Bulls weren't gonna win at that point. But as soon as he comes back with that full season, like you said, the Bulls were not, they weren't losing. They they never allowed John Stockton or Carl Malone to win any championships there in Utah. Chicago's one. Boston's two and the Warriors right now are three, because that's four titles it's 2015. They had two of those with Kevin Durant, two of those without him. How many rosters also had Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Kevin Durant on one team? How many rosters ever can you think of, of a core four like that?
1: I mean, I think that 2017 is the greatest team to ever play. Yes. I've, I've never watched a team like that in my life. Yeah. as You know, when they're all locked in, no one's ever going to be in. Even the MJ Bulls. There's, I don't think there's a chance. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. You know, and then you throw in. Obviously, the season didn't end, but we talked about this after they lost the 2016 finals of how if they win a few more, it's just, I mean, you never forget it. But the 73-9 and 9 season is just another checkmark into what this team has done. And, and
0: the, the farther of- away we get
1: from it, the more it's like, yeah, that's that's added to this dynasty and deserves to be added. You look at it, too, even those
0: finals, there's the suspension. I know Iguodala wasn't healthy. They'll get all those guys. Right? Stars had to align on Cleveland side, too. As great as that comeback was, the Warriors easily could have won that if they legitimately hit one shot down the stretch. But 73 wins that year, going through the mud with all these injuries. they're, they're In my opinion, they're easily a top-three dynasty of all time. The, the Spurs, with what they've done, are close – because certainly never went back-to-back, but to be that consistent and that relevant for that long is really unprecedented, especially in today's NBA. you Think about it now, where there's so much player mobility. How much player movement did San Antonio have during that stretch? To keep that thing consistent with the same coach, same manager, and players for that long and win is... You're not going to see a lot of things like that again.
1: No. And that brings me to... This front office, and it brings me to the old core, who we all know, and then the young core, and these two. While the young core didn't necessarily contribute a ton to this postseason, Nudie had some good mi- minutes, community had some good minutes, but just what the job that the front office did in the in this run. The first piece, though, is. Kevin Durant taking the sign and trade for D'Lo. I mean, I don't think – when D'Lo signed, it was like, what? No one expected that. And for Bob Myers, he's like, all right, at least we get something out of this and it's not just dead money because of our luxury tax situation. And then to flip that to Andrew Wiggins and the pick that turns into Jonathan Kaminga, you bring in Gary Payton on a couple ten days and then he gets the full contract before the year – Wanchaska Connor Anderson gave you decent minutes throughout the year. I mean, Bielitsa played well this postseason. I know there was a bunch of crap. They decided not to trade or sign a center at the trade deadline. Everyone was like, "Why didn't they do that? They missed an the opportunity to win a championship. This team could have did it." And then they go off and win a championship despite it. I, the The front office, I think, has played it perfectly with their one hand behind their back. With the luxury tax situation,
0: give Kevin Durant credit for even allowing that to happen. He could have just walked away with everything that happened that last year and just been like, "No, screw you guys, whatever." All, as much as we can say things about Kevin Durant, that gotta give him credit for that. But also Bob Myers for making that move happen. He turned that Kevin Durant sign trade into Wiggins and Kaminga, all in one. That that's a pretty good deal because you've got your three, four, right this. Got like Wiggins here for this area. You've got Kaminga waiting in the wings, and Kaminga is 19. He legally couldn't drink with his teammates when they're right? Legally. Yeah. Right. Right. To pull all that off. And there's no perfect way to be a GM or anything. There's so much that goes into this the way luxury attacks happens, the cap. It, yeah, like you said, it would have been a hard cap
1: that the First team since, I didn't save it, but I believe it was the first team since the Warriors in 76 to win a title with eight of their players drafted. All right? We know about the big three, but then you look at Kevon Looney, late-round pick, Jordan Poole, late-round pick. I mean, these guys, as much as we gave crap about the Jacob Evans and, and some of these terrible draftings that they've had, he's hit on most of them. Tough picks, too.
0: It's not like we're looking at Steph Clay and Draymond, too. It's not like people are <clears> only <throat> superstars coming out. Draymond was the 35th pick, he can still rattle off every name before him. Does anybody think Clay would be this out of Washington State? We all thought Steph would be good, but he had the toilet paper ankles, was the joke about him, right? He got that four year, $44 million deal. You had no idea what the future held with him. And look what he's turned into as well. Like scouting, getting the right guys, and I'm also going to make that thing screw super teams for real. I mean, to be honest with you, I think this is more sweet when it's so homegrown like this. I understand why sometimes people want to create these teams, but there's just something extra sweet. When you're drafted somewhere, you really go through the mud. Like Steph went through with this franchise. You saw those emotions, all the mud he's been through. He's been, he literally saw the worst of the Warriors franchise and now he's been through the best to see all that unfold.
1: Just makes it that much sweeter. Yeah, it, it would, it's incredible. But I want to talk about how long this, this thing can last. James Wiseman has gotten a lot of shit, but I watched some highlights yesterday. The dude has talent. I mean, if he can figure out that knee and be healthy, I'm excited for him to play summer league with Kaminga and Moody. I mean, how long can this run last with the old core passing the torch to the young core?
0: I think it still has quite a few years left in it. They just look so energized right now. When 2018, when they won that title, everything everyone just looked exhausted, just mentally drained. Yeah. You saw after that 2019 finals when they lost, was, there was that photo of Bob Myers drinking a Corona there in the stands of Oracle Arena one last time. Just Everybody was exhausted. It, it just looks like it just has that 2015 feeling again in some ways. Like, hey, they've got this thing going. They've got that two-era plan working. Because you've got Kaminga, you've got Moody, you've got Wiseman waiting in the wings. And let's not forget Jordan Poole is still a very young guy. He's younger than both of us. Yeah. He just won an NBA championship when he was a key contributor. He's turning into a building block, maybe you could say, with just the way it's trending up for him. I know there's still a lot of room to grow, but the way he's looked too, because you've got he's still very young twenties. Kaminga's nineteen, Moody's played a few years in college. Wiseman is trying to remember twenty. Yeah, right? So you think if that's really a couple of those guys pan out. There's another pretty
1: solid core weight in the wings. Yeah, and with Camunga getting the experience that he did, he definitely looked like he had a lot to learn, but everyone knew that. The fact that he played as well as he did this year was incredible because everyone was like, yeah, it's a project. He's got all the talent in the world, but he's a project, and he's already – I think, five steps ahead of where I thought he would be when I called him Cucamonga on draft night. You know, Moses Moody, his defense is amazing. The fact that Damian Lee ever got minutes over him seems crazy. And you're right, Jordan Poole, he looks like baby Steph. I mean, the stuff that Draymond and Steph has taught him to make the game easier on himself and use the screens, and he looks like a baby Steph. I don't, you know, obviously – To say he's going to be Steph Curry is absurd. Steph Curry is, like we said, top ten player of all time. But I mean, it's just it's really interesting to see the position the Warriors put themselves in, and all thanks to to a two year run of them just absolutely being trash.
0: Yep, that's sometimes that's the way it works, and you get those good traffics, and you hope a couple of them hit. And now you're hoping these young guys they're in a good culture where they see what Steph. And these superstars put in every day, the way they go about their business, what Jordan Poole's done. What was the biggest thing for Jordan Poole when he was starting to get into that ascent late last season? Well, this dude's in the gym all the time. He lives for the game. You're up in these younger guys, just younger than him, see that and be like, holy crap, if I put in this much work, even if just one of them starts doing that, that bodes really well for the future. And makes the future look probably five times brighter than it does even right now.
1: And we're throwing Wiggins into this old pool. I think he's only 27.
0: He's he's a little bridge right in between yeah. there.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he's perfect for what the Warriors are trying to do right now. Obviously, I know some owners are complaining because the Warriors are spending too much money and all that sort of stuff. And I call that bullshit. Just because our owners actually want to win and want to spend money with their $5 billion industry. And, you know, the other owners don't want to do it. Whatever.
0: And, and they started getting a lot more money when they started winning too and they hired the right people it's,
1: it might sound like 25 million a game during the finals I mean that's the finals run makes up for all the money you spent alone.
0: Oh, it makes the luxury tax bills look a lot better so does that damn trophy they have in their hands
1: yeah exactly and all the merchandise sales I mean I hopefully like a sports business journal or someone like that comes out with something that shows how much money that this made maybe it's already out and I just haven't seen it yet. But um that I'm excited for what I'm really excited for James Wiseman with all the doubters, with all the shit talk that he's gotten over this past year trying to return and then not being able to and he's already being called a bust. Maybe he will be, but I really hope that he comes back and and shows something.
0: And he just needs to stay healthy because we've seen his raw photos and mental and he can hit some shots too. Yeah defense develops he learns not to get up off the ground which a lot of 19 and 20 year olds struggle with that in the NBA Looney is a lot better at that because he's been in the league since drafted in 2015 as he develops and stays healthy and as long as he's a student of the game from all the reports we've heard from the franchise I don't think Wiseman's a bust You, you hope that he starts to get healthy though that's the biggest concern now but if he can get healthy and develop like we think I think Yeah, if him as a center in there as well, athleticism with that offense and defense, that could be really
1: big. And it's a big if, but if Kevon Looney ends up leaving because he gets a crap ton of money from the Hornets to the Kings, James Wiseman's going to be thrown right into the thick of it next year. How about Kenny Atkinson coming back too? I I was just going to mention that, of how how big that is, because he's just – I mean, he's probably a top-ten coach in the NBA, and he's our assistant. So –
0: legitimately turned a down job turned down a job with Charlotte who's got we've I mean, got some young guys at build around. you've got them mother ball we know what he can do I mean, he decided to stick around and be with this Warriors team. I think that speaks volumes to the gravity
1: of this culture yeah I did put on there I want to talk about Jason Tatum. I don't really want to anymore because he sucked I mean I, I it's a good talking point over the summer I'd rather talk about Steve Kirk Let's talk about Steve Furr, and he's down at nine championships. And we can talk about his legacy. He's yeah. now an all-time great coach. This was his best postseason in terms of coaching that he's ever had. Going awesome. from boxing one, zones, different offensive schemes. Of him being too stubborn with some things, right?
0: Too stubborn with rotations. Well, how, how stubborn is he when he benches Draymond Green in a big freaking finals game, right? He changed up some things on offense. So sure you still saw their same motion offensive a lot of the time, but that wasn't the usual stuff we saw years past. The defense he changed up the zone sometimes, the box and one, throwing a second guy there, the double teams. It was, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's probably Steve Kerr's best coaching job yet. What he did this year, especially because this was a lot of us thought the Warriors would never win another title again.
1: Early yeah, in like, this era,
0: yeah not in this area, and look at who, what he did with this team to get that culture to still go. And that assistant group with them, too, to have Mike Brown now going to Sacramento, his impact there. Kenny Atkinson on staff. Ron Adams still doing a little bit of his thing. Steve Kerr is an all-timer. There's really nothing you can say now. I, I, I know I think there was at one point we are in San Jose with Oscar earlier this year saying, like, what happens if the Warriors don't make – even any semblance of a run, what Steve Kerr gonna do? What well, I, I think we have answered
1: that question now. Yeah, uh, he goes. I, I've been on the Steve Kerr train, as you know, Chris. Steve Moreland Tune has been my nickname for a while. His name on my phone, FYI. we will put that on Twitter later, so you yeah. all have. And he goes. He does all this different stuff, different rotations throughout the year, and. It, Part of it is forced because of injuries and all the different turmoil they had throughout the regular season. But because he does all of that, it prepared this team for the playoffs. Even though they played 12 minutes together as a team, because they played with all these different guys, because they did all these different things, they played step off ball, on ball, pick and roll, movement, split action, all this different stuff, they could run all of it in the postseason with no issues. They did every single thing. They played a bunch of pick and rolls. Steph was on ball. He was off ball. I mean, anything and everything that Steph or that Steve Kerr had in his bag of tools, bag of tricks, whatever you want to call it, he did it. It was, And he played it to perfection. One of his best coaching jobs. I was thoroughly impressed.
0: Best coaches adapt to their talent, their personnel every year. This is what's made Nick Saban so great throughout the year. Sure, college is different, but... He adapted to their new style of football. And what did he do? Well, guess what? He kept freaking winning. Pop always adapted a little bit, right? Phil Jackson always had the triangle offense, but he still had to do some other things with different types of players, right? you got to adapt. Seekers adapted really well to this different collection of talents. And now Wiggins coming in, changing things up, different types of centers, the different rotations. Like you said, that's 12 minutes together all year is – that's nuts. That's, they, they played one quarter together before no. this but they had so many different rotations and combinations where they're building chemistry not just in practice but on the court you get that chemistry built in all these different areas that's going to pay dividends in the ends and the way Kerr changed that up and, and you think if Steve Kerr had a problem you think Joe Lacob wouldn't have tried to make a change or done something Joe Lacob wants to win yeah. Did, something needs to change Joe Lacob would make a change as an owner that's what that about.
1: Anything else? That's all. That's all I got. I think that's orders. Any all other topics, topics? Anything we missed? All the haters, shut up! Shut up! Shut up! That's that's all I got.
0: Draymond said it best. Shut up! they they've cemented themselves forever. Is all you can say. If they never won another one again with this group, would that suck? No, but at least I mean you've got this. Like this this was easily the most special title
1: of this era. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Is it over? Probably not. We're going to have some more playoff runs. But like you said, everything has to line up. So the West gets a lot better next year. The Clippers are healthy. Denver is healthy. The Lakers are, I don't know what they're doing.
0: Healthy Denver still does not scare me.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: Not, Not with the Warriors matchup, I should say that.
1: Yeah. But you just never know. I mean... Like, everything has to line up. Everything might line up for Denver one of these years. So Phoenix, I don't – who knows? I mean, that was the biggest disappointment of the postseason, you go from 64 wins to bounce in the semis. So I, there's plenty of off season. The draft is in, what, a week? What's yeah. today? Is it this Thursday or is it next Thursday? All right, the draft is in a couple of days couple days or a week. But we have all off-season to talk about it.
0: Draft is on Thursday.
1: Draft is on Thursday. That's what I thought. So there's plenty of talking points. We'll talk about the draft, I'm sure, next week with whatever guest I have on. We got one more thing we want to talk about, though, Chris. Your favorite movie of all time, it sounds like.
0: Gun Maverick was unbelievable, and everybody needs to see it. And I'm about to go see it again this week. It was that good.
1: It really was. Yeah.
0: yeah. What, you saw four D also, didn't you?
1: I did. So I went and saw it just the normal time, and it was great. But then the four D with the seats moving and all that, I was like, I feel like this movies made for it.
0: So where'd you go for the four D? That's where I'm trying to find is the four D.
1: Everywhere, I, every time I go is Regal. I don't know if they're still doing four D in Talk Gun or not, but because um, I know Jurassic World has some in four D as well. Um, but yeah, what a great movie! The box office numbers are approaching 900 million dollars. This is the best Tom Cruise movie ever. He's already an absolute superstar, but this movie is his best movie of all time in terms of box office numbers.
0: It was just like Steph Seidel cemented himself. I think this just cemented Tom Cruise to another level. Great, right? I, I mean, the movie just had me in awe the whole time, right? It's, sometimes it, a movie can be over two hours and you're just like, okay, whatever. Just please end this after two hours, I think 17 minutes was his exact runtime. I looked that up the other day and it was it felt like 25 minutes was how good it was.
1: Chris, I feel like you've done way too much research on be- top of
0: Because we were looking for it the other day trying to figure out timing and all of that. Like can we do this after and all that, right? So it was just kind of like okay, here's the timing, but God, that movie was is-
1: Yeah, it was good. If I would say Go see it in 4D. It, you move like crazy. Don't buy popcorn if you go because you won't be able to eat it. But it's it's incredible. And spoiler alert if you haven't watched it, but that last scene was just insane. The scene of him going into the mountains and then yeah, there's funny moments. There's action moments. It's no criticisms.
0: Uh, those, like those dips they have to do in these military jets is unbelievable the training that goes into that so legitimately go like
1: this go back up like this you got to turn it yeah. and and for them all the actors all the ones that were pilots and it actually went through all the training they had to go do it because they were actually flying the planes it, the movie is incredible so i'm glad it they waited what is it the first one came out in 86 I have it right here. 1986. So for them to wait this long and then come back and top the first one, the first one was already a groundbreaking movie for them to come back and top it. Incredible. So you know, I'm going
0: to watch the first one again this week before I go and see the latest one in
1: 40. Yeah, I, w- I watched the first one about a month before this one came out. So back in like April or May or something like that. And I forgot how good it was, but this one tops it. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's 20, 20, 30 years later, whatever it is.
0: I think I texted you right after the movie, like, bro, you got to see this. It's just, like, it, it, that unbelievable. Thing. I probably
1: didn't sell it enough. No. Yeah. Have you seen Jurassic World yet? I've seen that this
0: weekend, I want to say.
1: It's a good Sat- movie.
0: Saturday night,
1: I think. The, yeah, it's a good movie. Not not the best Jurassic Series World, whatever you want to call it, Jurassic Park World movie, but it's a, it's a good ending. I'm not going to call it Top Gun level. And I went and saw Buzz last year. It was a good Pixar movie. Not the best, but a good one. Yeah, I'm going to go see Buzz this week. It's <laughs> so movie weekend for the like Jackson over
0: here. Summertime, these movies come out. You got to hit the movies while you can. Get that popcorn as much as you can there in summertime.
1: Yeah. Have you seen Spider Man yet? Because if you haven't, I'm about to end this right now. I will not announce what we need to announce if you have not seen Spider-Man yet. I actually have seen Spider-Man. The latest one that came out? Yes, I saw that. God, when was that? Isn't that the early spring? All right, well, let me hear your thoughts because this was your homework back on the West Coast Press Podcast.
0: Care about my thoughts. So I got an interview in two minutes with the kid.
1: Oh, my God. Just so let's right. forget to the-
0: oh, no.
1: announce your show. Go ahead. You got two minutes.
0: Yeah, we've got my podcast coming out here in the West Coast Preps Network. actually just had our first guest on it earlier today. There we go. This week, Alex Simpson was on there. We talk about recruiting and everything else and how you can get yourself recruited out there in this crazy age of NIL, Transfer Portal, and everything else. So listen to that. You already know the drill. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, The GMT Show, my first ever appearance on it. God, I'm blessed to come on the show. What a time it was, especially a championship edition.
1: It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't be that. My beer last. I'm not quite sure yet, but we'll see. It's good run, good dynastic run. Yeah, we had the West Coast Pets podcast. We did like 110 shows together already. Yeah, how many episodes did we do on that? That was crazy. Yeah,
0: you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to try to
1: memorize the math on that. I'm not a math major. Yeah, go do your interview, anyways. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it.
0: You guys all have fun.
1: All right. All right, guys. Thank you for watching the West Coast Preps podcast network, the GNT show episode two of this one. Thank you to Chris Jackson for coming on. You can find him on Twitter, like he mentioned, at the very end of the interview. There is a Chris Jackson show that He just had his first guest on, and his podcast will be uploaded later on this week. So be excited for that one. We have a bunch more coming up. Uh, More announcements to come soon. More podcasts to come soon as we uh, get started here in the summer. Don't forget to subscribe here on YouTube. Also on Spotify, download Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to. Don't forget also to go to westcoastpreps.com read up on all the amazing stories that Chris and all of our incredible staff is writing right now, only $3.99 a month, westcoastpreps.com. Make sure you subscribe. Can't thank you guys enough for supporting us, West Coast Preps, me personally. Uh, it's already been an incredible journey almost two years into it since we uh, officially launched and well over two years of working on uh, west coast preps and figuring out how to produce the best stories and, and give these kids what they deserve hopefully this podcast network will continue to do that as we continue to produce more stories and more of everything so that's it for episode two thank you for enjoying this podcast thank you for listening like i said hit that like button down below subscribe and we appreciate it thank you